Today's message is simply entitled, Follow Me. And it's a continuation of where we started last week with learning to trust in Jesus. Learning to trust in Jesus. I mean, in all areas and all things in our life, learning to trust in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 through 22, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, and just a quick reference from that time is after the things that began to happen to the baptizer, John. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they immediately left their nets, and they followed him. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I just pray that all the word of God, all the word read and spoken today would just, Lord, would penetrate, piercing our hearts, dividing between bone and marrow, soul and spirit, convicting our hearts. Lord, letting the light of your word just shine upon the path of each of our lives. And God, we just ask that you would be magnified. And God, Jesus, we give you all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. It all started with these instructions, follow me. Up until that point, Jesus was a a boy raised up in Nazareth. Apparently a carpenter, or at least a carpenter's son. One that was obviously had a miraculous birth, but just learning and growing in what the Father's will was going to be for his life. He came baptized by John, went into the wilderness, filled with power, came out, preached his first sermon We watched it last night on The Chosen, season three. Very powerful, very powerful. Enjoying it this season. From that point, he began to call his disciples. And really, it was this, it was the calling of his disciples that began to change everything. When Jesus began to go around and from one by one, He began to go to them and individually, everybody say individually, personally. I mean, it's a personal call and a personal invitation to each one of us. It's not a family or corporate. I mean, when Jesus said those words, follow me, it was an individual, personal invite to begin to follow him. And when Jesus gave those simple instructions of follow me. That's when the process 
of learning to trust in Jesus began in these disciples' lives. For each one of us, when Jesus calls us and he says, follow me, and whether we, we pray there individually by ourselves in some home or office or car or jail cell where I was, or whether we respond to an altar call in a church, when we respond to the follow me, that's when the process begins of learning to trust in Jesus with our life. I can tell you, as you would probably give me a strong amen for, that's not to say that you have to, but that that process of learning to trust in Jesus, it didn't happen all at the same time when you said yes to Jesus. (laughs) Three people agreed with me on that one. I know, I messed you all up. If I would have just left it alone with giving me a strong amen, the whole house would have felt the urge to have to say amen. But from that process, learning to trust in Jesus begins in our lives. We begin to follow, and we begin to change our focus of our life. And in the apostles, or these disciples' cases, he began to even change their profession, their, what they were called, that they were called fisher. Men, they were fishing for fish, but he says, I'm going to change your focus and I'm going to change your profession so that you're no longer fishing for fish, but now you're fishing for men. Everything began to change with those simple instructions, follow me. In the book of Luke in chapter 5, we're going to dive into that similar, same story, a little bit different account and I like the detail in, in the, the Gospel of Luke. Starting with verse 1 of chapter 5, it said, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from that boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word... I will let down the nets. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come over and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. 
And when they had brought the boats to land, they left everything and followed him. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. These instructions of follow me in this, in this case, and, and I happen to feel like I see it in often cases in people's salvation experience. The instructions of follow me actually were preceded by an amazing miracle in the life of these disciples. Specifically at this point, Simon and then James and John were able to participate in the miracle with him. But before the miracle came the instruction from Christ. And again, we're talking about learning to trust. Everybody say it with me. Learning to trust. Jesus comes up and he just makes it his business to take somebody else's boat and begin to use it for the gospel. And after he preaches his sermon, he tells Peter to push out. And Peter or Simon... We can see in this first response, there, wasn't, there was not 100% trust in this first response. Can anybody agree with that? I mean, it, there, there's quick, but sometimes the Bible sort of puts things really fast together. But here's how I sort of envisioned how this first encounter went. Jesus walks up to the sea. He gets into Simon's boat. He proceeds to have them push it off. From the shore, Simon's kind of off to the side thinking he didn't really ask to use that. But he just sort of stayed quiet. He listened to the sermon, listened to it, listened to him preach. And then Jesus said, hey, hey, Simon, go ahead and and push out and go fishing again. And Simon immediately, because we know Simon, what was Simon's greatest characteristic? Inserting his foot into his mouth. That was his greatest gift. That was his greatest trait at this part in his, this point in his life. And so as he does so well, he took his foot, he inserted his foot into his mouth, and he says, but Jesus, we already toiled all night. And here's the, the pause. I can just see, and if you can just use your, your creativity, your imagination a little bit with me, I can just see Jesus just sitting there kind of looking at him. Not saying a word, but just holding steady on the instructions that he just gave him. And Simon's looking back at him, waiting for, okay, well, maybe you don't have to put it out, Simon. But instead, Jesus just stood there. Who knows if it was five seconds or, or five minutes, but some, however long it was, what Simon saw and something rose up in him and he says, okay, but... We'll go ahead and give it a shot. We'll go ahead and give it a try. And and so many times, this is how our trusting and following the Lord begins. I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll I'll just give it a chance to see if what Jesus spoke is actually going to come to pass. Does anybody, did anybody start your, your Christian journey kind of like with the whole, I'll just give it a try? Oh, I was the only one. All right. All right, man, y'all are it's still like that. Thank you. I appreciate He's throwing me a, a, throwing me a rope. 
Simon gets out in the boat. Obviously what happened, what Jesus said would happen, happened. And there was this great miracle. And with this great miracle, this great haul of fish, it got the attention of Simon. It got the attention of James and John so that when they came back to the shore, they did something that was that was illogical. It was something that didn't make any sense that here they are and their business was finally booming all in the matter of one catch. They went from bust to boom and they get back to the shore and Simon falls and he obviously is having this this encounter with the Lord. But their response was to leave it all. Bust to boom, we're going to walk away from the booming business and leave it all and begin to follow the Lord. It starts with a miracle. It starts with taking a chance and trusting in what Jesus' words were that were spoken to us. But then it continues, and here's the process. Here's the process. At some point in your trusting in following him, there is going to be an opportunity for self-denial. There's going to be an opportunity to deny yourself, to deny your flesh. And when the business was booming, there was an opportunity in one sense to sacrifice that amazing haul. Of course, we now know after many years, and anybody would tell you after, after years and years of following the Lord that, that it actually is no sacrifice at all. At first, you kind of feel like it's a sacrifice. You, gotta, you kind of feel like, oh, but I got to give up this or I got to walk away from that. And, and then as you begin to follow him for, you know, a couple months and a couple years and a, a couple decades, next thing you know, you look back and you realize, hold up, I, I didn't actually sacrifice anything. There was no sacrifice. You've heard me say it once. You've heard me say it, you know, many times that people would often say when we lived overseas, they'd be like, oh, the the sacrifice. You see, there's no sacrifice in walking in obedience to what the Lord's called you to do. There's no sacrifice in it. What's that? The grace is there. And so follow me. Those instructions requires a denial of oneself in, in some area of your life. And, and though all of our calling and that instruction, follow me, is going to look a little bit different. And, and you, unlike Simon and eventually James and John, may not have to walk away from a, a business or may not have to walk because your follow me is not into a, a full-time call. But I'm telling you, the instructions of follow me requires, as the word of God says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. At some point, even starting immediately, but in some progressive manner in our walk with the Lord, there is going to be a, a growing denial of ourself. We have to deny the urge and even what we might call the freedom 
of just going ahead and, or going to the left or going to the right when Jesus is going straight. And, and if you're wondering, Jesus' path is always the straight one. It might look a little crooked to you. You're like Jesus. You're a little off path here. It's a little, it's, it's going this way, but I kind of wanted to go this way. But Jesus' path is always a straight one. And just in case you wanted to sort of argue that point with me, go to Isaiah 45, verse 2. It says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. Jesus goes before every single one of us, and he makes your crooked places, by the way, the, the, the path that you made crooked. <laughs> Only about, you know, a few of you want to just take that and make it personal. The path that you made crooked, I made crooked, he goes before us and makes those crooked paths straight. He says, I will break into pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. If anything, if, you're, if your prayers are like seeming like a seemingly a bronze heaven or if you're seeming like you're in some iron bars representing a, a, a prison of sorts in your life, the Lord says, I go before you and I make your path straight and I burst open a way for you to walk in. In Proverbs, in chapter 4, 25 through 27, he says, Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. But nonetheless, learning to follow this straight path that Christ is laying out before us, this is a process of trusting. It's kind of like when you, you have to follow behind somebody when you're driving in a car. Now, let me just ask an honest question right now. How many of you are really good at following behind somebody in a vehicle? Raise your hand. How many of you are horrible at following behind somebody in a vehicle? You're like, I'm, they're, they're going the wrong way. They're going too slow. They're going to miss their exit. They're talking. They're not paying attention to the maps. I, I can do it better. Or when you're leading and somebody's supposed to be following you. Oh, that's the worst. You're constantly looking in your, your rear view. And then you're like, for me, it's like Christina will be sitting next to me. I won't call any of any names out or anything. But I'm like, wait, where are they? I don't, even, I don't even see the car anymore. I mean, how hard is it just to stay 100 yards behind me? I mean, really? And then I'm pulling off the exit. Well, why, why are they going straight? <laughs> True story. What, what? Oh, 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 well, my maps said, well, you're supposed to be following me. Not your maps, right? We're supposed to fix our eyes straight ahead, not, not looking to the left or to the right. We're supposed to just be looking and following straight ahead. Stay close. That's what we're supposed to be doing with Jesus, that in this first 
phase of the progression of trusting Him, man, we're staying so close and He's right there in front of us and in a physical sense with these disciples. He's right there. And, and, you know, Peter, though he, you know, loved to insert foot into mouth, even Peter couldn't be like, Jesus, I, I'm just going to go ahead and get in front of you now and just take the lead because I feel like I can lead this group a little better. But the reality was, is he didn't know where Jesus was going. He didn't know where Jesus was going to take them. He was following alone. And like every step was just like getting in step with Jesus. Jesus takes a step, we take a step. Jesus pauses, we pause. It was following the Lord. Not like how some of us follow behind in cars. It's a progression. Following means watching the lead in front of you. Watching the lead of another. It means bearing the responsibility of not losing sight. Oh, but I, I couldn't see you. I don't know where you went. We bear the responsibility as followers to not lose sight of the one that we're following. Amen. He's not ducking and diving and, and hiding behind bushes and, and trying trickery to see if you're paying attention. It's really, it's a straight follow. It's a straight follow, and it's our responsibility, each one of us, to bear to make sure that we are following. But again, there's this, there's this progression of trusting that's happening in our following the Lord. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 16, and we're just kind of very quickly looking at some of the progression as it pertained to the disciples and the initial instruction, follow me. Luke 9, 1 through 6 says, <clears throat> And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money. And do not even bring two tunics or two sets of clothes. <laughs> and whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And whatever, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And so they departed... And went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. See, the progression was taking place with these disciples that the first part of their learning to trust in the Lord was following close behind Jesus as they were walking. Because they had, they had a really big learning curve. They were hearing things that they'd never heard before. They were watching things happen that they've never seen before or even knew was possible. And now all of a sudden Jesus brings them together and he says, here's, here's the next phase of learning to trust me. I'm now sending you out on your own. 
Now think about it in a physical sense. Of course, today we, have, we actually don't have to ever leave the presence of the Lord because we take the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. We have such a much better covenant and a much better walk today than, than any time of history before us. But here they, they had to now walk away from Jesus. It was the Jesus show up until this point. Stay close. Follow where he goes, watch what he does, listen to what he says. That was, that was the, their entire life until now they had to go out. It was a different sort of instruction of learning to trust the Lord. They now had to begin to implement what they had been hearing and what they had been seeing They had to now implement that on their own. This was, I'm sure, for a moment of time, it it had to be terrifying. It had to be nerve-wracking that, Lord, you you want us to go out and to do what you've been doing? We we don't even know how you're doing this. We're still scratching our head over how it is that you're doing these signs and wonders and and where you're getting this stuff from. And the instructions was just simply to go out and do as you have been seeing and as you have been hearing. And if that wasn't enough in this process of learning to trust, and and hopefully you're beginning to see as we we talk about learning to trust that there is this progression in our walk with Christ. We need to, number one, be progressing in our trust of the Lord. We need not be at the starting block where we were when we responded to those words, follow me, just as the disciples were now far past where they began because now they had to go do it. Not only did they have to do it, here was the other sort of scratch-your-head sort of instruction. You've got to go do it without bringing anything with you. You can't bring any money. You can't bring any protection. You can't bring any extra clothes. Yes, you're going to smell a little bit. You can't, you can't bring anything with you. For what purpose does that serve? What would it hurt? Jesus, why can't I just bring some bread with me? I just, just a few pieces of bread, Lord. No, 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 you can't bring anything because why? You have to learn to trust that I'm going to take care of you. It was all a trust. The whole walk, our entire walk with Christ is about us learning to trust him more and more from one part of our journey to the next You've got to go. You've got to go to the places that I open before you. There's doors that I will open before you. There are doors that I will close before you. We like the open doors better than the closed doors. Can anybody say amen to that? But I'm telling you, you're going to have to learn to trust and to like the closed doors as much as the opened I would even go a little bit further as I say, the closed doors are actually providing more protection than the open. When God says, no, you can't go there. I'm going to make sure you can't go there. Boom. Doors he closes that no man can open. 
And when the word of God says that no man can open it, stop banging your head against that door. That might be a word for somebody. So they were not allowed to take anything along for their journey. They had to begin to trust that their needs were going to be taken care of. All their needs, your children, your family, you have to begin to trust. And you have to really let that trust settle deep in you that the Lord's got you. And he's got this. And so now they get back and watch what happens because this whole journey is, again, it's a progression of learning to trust the Lord and, of course, learning to allow faith to rise up and to use our faith. But they get back and they start reporting to Christ everything that took place once they had got back. And we continue on in that same chapter of Luke, chapter 9. And this is where we read at the offering just a little while ago. How the story now goes from they got sent out, their needs were taken care of. They were operating in the power, the delegated power of Christ, healing and casting out devils. They came back and they began to report. And then in verse number 10 in Luke 9, on the return, the apostles told Jesus, told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. He took them on a, on a small retreat. They'd been working hard. They'd been going hard. Jesus pulled them away to get some rest. However, when the crowds learned of it, in verse 11, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cursed those who had need and cured those who had need of healing. And now the day began to wear away and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provision for we are here in a desolate place now pause for a minute he just sent them out without any bread without any money without any protection without any clothes they just got back from watching the provision the the supernatural provision of the lord on their journeys and now all of a sudden There's a whole nether lesson of trust that arises here. They now had to learn how to trust that the Lord can not only take care of their little simple 12 lives and bodies, but that now there were these thousands of people before them. And they said, Lord, let's let's send them away. And Jesus said to them, here comes, here comes the, the beginning of the lesson where it says, you give them something to eat. Surely one of them maybe at least had the thought. We don't see it in here, but surely they, well, we did just get back, and we didn't bring any money, any food, any clothes, any protection, and we were fine. Surely, surely there's something in play here. And as they all begin to sort of scratch their, their head and they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy some food. And there were about 5,000 men. And then as we just read, so they took the fish, they took the loaves, they blessed it, and they began to give everyone portions to eat so that there were 12 baskets left over. They now were learning to trust in the Lord, not only for their their own sustenance, 
But now they were learning how to trust that God has all of us covered. It wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for the the dedicated, the apostles, the ones who left all, left their business. But now it's for for the ones who are, are coming out and they're on this little, you know, spontaneous retreat following the Lord out into this desolate place where there's no restaurants and, you know, McDonald's is, you know, left in Galilee and Subway, if you're not a McDonald's fan, you know, is is nowhere to be found. And the Lord says, you give them something to eat. And they had to begin to learn to trust God and give to Jesus what they had. They had to learn. You have to learn to begin to give to the Lord of what you have. In this case, there wasn't much, but they gave him all. We sometimes, we have such struggles in in trying to figure out how much we should give to the Lord, and, and it's a, you should be struggling over that. That is something that you should be battling with your flesh and in the spirit to hear from God, to be united as, as families, to begin to trust God in giving to Jesus of what we have. And so they had to learn how to bring him the little, as we said earlier, so that it would be enough. And it reminds me of a time with my wife and I, and I'm dating ourselves now, but it was when I was in the Philippines, and she was here in the U.S. still. And at this point, we knew we were getting married. I think we probably had all the green lights at this point, and she'll correct my story as I go. But... We had all the green lights, and we started to prepare for our wedding and different things. Well, here's, here was one problem. One problem was is that husband-to-be was in the Philippines. That was one problem. That was a little bit hard. Second problem is husband-to-be didn't have any money. Remember, he was in the Philippines, and a whole other portion of the story. I'd already dropped my, my house and my car and everything in her lap and said, sell it, please. And... But the third part of the story and the problem was that husband in the Philippines was, I was earning $500 a month. That was my, that was my entire salary at, I mean, this was, you know, in, in year 1999, 2000 year. And that was, that was my wage, $500 a month. So in one conversation, and again, this was back in the day where I had a, I had a, I think I had a, was I on a payphone or was I on a, you called me. It's like we were using, I was like putting quarters in a payphone, even still in the Philippines at some points. And we talked and we said, okay, sweetie, we got the weddings coming up. We don't have money for this. How are we doing this? And we both came to this agreement. We said, well, how about we take everything we have, everything that you have in your bank account here, because again, I didn't have anything overseas, everything you have in your bank account here, everything that I have, let's take everything we have and let's, let's just give it to the Lord and let's just see what happens. And so we did that and we took everything we had and from on the U.S. side and Christina took it and brought it into, at some point, some way, brought it and gave it as an offering. And I can tell you from, from that time, that was the first time that I'd ever, actually I can't speak for her whether it was the first time, that, first time you as well, first time that we had ever done that where we had a 
we had a real need. We had not enough. We had whatever cash, and we just said, okay, Lord, we're taking these loaves. We're taking these fish. We're putting it in your hands, and we're just going to see what happens here. And sure enough, it wasn't, it wasn't long after that, Christina came into some, you know, small provision from family and, and between other family and different things coming together. Next thing we know, everything's paid for. We're on a plane heading to the Philippines, and we never look back since. Was it like, was it like just like lightning coming from the sky? Was it like, you know, Red Sea sort of parting? Not, not exactly. It was more of just this progression of we have this need, just like they had a real need of needing to feed these people, and they gave it to the Lord. And next thing you know, they're just passing it out, and as they're passing it out, it just doesn't seem to stop. It just doesn't seem to stop. You, you pay the bill. You buy the airplane tickets. You, you rent the place. Now, we had to change a lot of ideas. She had a lot of grandiose ideas for her wedding, which we really simplified and tried to make it as simple as possible. When she got to the Philippines, we, we, lived in a, we lived in a little apartment that was about half the size of this stage, you know. And we lived there for a couple years, and we were the happiest people on the earth, you know. And so you have to make adjustments. It's not to say you can just live however and do whatever and not make adjustments. you got to make adjustments, but you have to take what you have and give it in the Lord's hands. We have to begin to trust him. We have to trust that he can take the little and that he can make it enough. For one reason, sometimes whatever, for whatever reason, sometimes we withhold from giving to Jesus what we have. Sometimes we hold back and, and maybe for maybe we're going through a difficult season, maybe a difficult season spiritually, maybe a difficult season Financially, maybe there's just a lot of things going in, going on in our life. We're switching jobs, we're buying homes, we're we're taking care of sick children, whatever it is. But but sometimes along the journey, we we begin to withhold from the Lord. And you know, as we see from this story, you know, the Lord provides, and He provides in many ways and in cases where when we just simply obey and we just simply continue to bring our giving into the house of the Lord, our tithe into the house of the Lord. We, we just walk in this obedience, learning to trust him. Things just fall into place. They, he makes the little go the distance and beyond. And then lastly for today, in learning to trust the disciples then at the end of Luke chapter 9, they were beginning to learn the cost of following. Now, they'd already started to learn it some at the beginning when they, when they walked away from that, that booming business, that one incredible harvest that they had that could have set them up in a different way than they were before that. They'd already learned that, but now in Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62, it says, And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Okay, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another said to him, Follow me, but he said, 
to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you. Here, we're talking about following the Lord. They're all saying, I will follow you. Many profess, I will follow you. And each in this passage have a different response from the Lord. The Lord, but let me first, to the Lord I will follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's a cost to following the Lord. Now hear me, and we know this, and we got to make sure that we're encouraged here, that we know that the Lord provides us everything we need. He provides everything. Nobody can stand up and, and say that the Lord has not given me everything I need to be able to follow him. In order to you, for you to be able to stand up and say that would make him unjust, unfair, and a liar. And I just don't believe, as you don't, that that's who Jesus is. He's given us everything we need to follow him. But he says, he says there are times, you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests. He said there's times where that we're going to be sleeping out in the open air. There's times where it's going to seem like, it's going to seem like the provision is not there. Foxes have their dens and birds have their place, but, but the Son of Man is out sleeping. Now, was Jesus homeless? No, Jesus wasn't homeless. Jesus had a home that he stayed in, but Jesus traveled. He was going everywhere. And you know what? When you're going, as many of us know, sometimes you just got to sleep where you end up. To others, as they were counting the cost of following him, let me go take care of my family. Let me go deal with this, this family problem first. And, and here's the reality is that there will always be distractions. There will always. The distractions will never stop. And many times even the distractions that are coming our way, they're distractions from those whom we love. Whom we are given a responsibility to love. And nonetheless, when he says, let me go bury my father, he says, no, you focus on Jesus. You focus on me. We can never allow the distractions in life stop us from the fulfillment of us in our lives following Jesus and his instructions in our life. This goes, and as, as difficult as this even may be at times, even when one household, when there are contentions and there are, are differences of priority in one household, could present even the most difficult of scenarios in following the Lord. 
but the instructions remain the same. And this is part of the cost that we have to somehow learn and continue to learn to trust Jesus in following after him, fulfilling our obligations as husbands and wives and, and children and men and as men and women of God. But all the while, all the while we're following hard after the Lord. We're getting out of the boat as, or as one man recently said, he said, or he says, pastor, I fell out of the boat. I said, well, you know, it's probably, that's probably true for a lot of us. Some of us, like Peter, you know, we, we get out the boat, and the others, boom, we're out the boat, nonetheless. But this following is getting out. It's getting out of that place where, where we've been. The Word says, he who saves his life loses it. And he who loses his life saves it. It says to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We count the cost all the way to the cross in Jesus' name. Go ahead, if you would, stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. Just stand to your feet. Open up your hearts right now. As the Word of God just, just has its way, it just has His way of just getting into our hearts and challenging us, I just pray that you would just humble yourself and submit to the challenge at hand, whatever, whatever that is, that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is speaking to you today, whatever conviction you're feeling or encouragement you're feeling, just, just welcome, welcome the Word of God, allow the trust your trust in Christ to begin and continue to progress and to grow. Stretch, as we said in our first, our first message this year. Stretch out some. Strengthen, strengthen your pegs and stretch out some. Just stretch. Stretching out is just a matter of trusting the Lord. Speaking the word of God to the people in our life, trusting the Lord with the things, the provision that he's placed into our hands, stepping out into new seasons, into new ministries, walking in, in a newness of life, walking in new levels of, of committing our life to the Lord, new levels of holiness and, and separation and sanctification. All this is, it's trusting in the Lord. It's trusting that he has you. He has us. Oh, he has us. Hallelujah.